morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my panel has been assembled as we speak. Uh, together with us, uh, we have the uh, ambassador of Norway, Mr. Frode Overlond Andersen. Uh, I would like to invite also Mr. Uh, George Alexandratos, representing the Hellenic uh, Chamber of uh, Sipping and the Hellenic Short CC uh, Association. He's, Mr. Alexandratos is the Vice President of the Hellenic Chamber of Sipping and Secretary of the Hellenic Short CC uh, Sipping Association. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have uh, together with us Mr. Simantonis, the president of the Hellenic Short Sipping Association due to illness, but uh, uh, my very good uh, colleague, Mr. Ioannis Chiotopoulos, the, uh, the DNV regional manager for East Mediterranean, Middle East and Africa is uh, here with us. And uh, last but not least, uh, uh, from National Technical University in the School of Naval Architecture and Marine Engineering, uh, Professor Dimitrios uh, Leridis is together uh, with uh, us as well. Um, so, uh, in this panel, we're going to talk about revolution. Uh, which is always uh, a tricky subject and uh, it can also be a little bit um, uh, provocative as well. Um, the theme is how we decarbonize and how uh, we lead the Green Revolution when it comes to short sea and coastal uh, shipping. Decarbonization is a fact. It is happening around the globe. It is happening... Uh, um, in all ship segments. However, the right mix of technologies, solutions and frameworks applicable to each uh, segment can be drastically different. Short sea shipping and coastal shipping is a ship segment uh, by its own right, having dedicated and uh, specific needs to be uh, covered and um, we are here to explore or to debate on what would be uh, the right mix of technologies, but not only technologies, also the structural frameworks and uh, uh, instruments, investment and funding instruments that need to be in place in order to uh, achieve the greening of uh, short sea shipping without, of course, compromising the, the business uh, potential uh, out of it. On the technology side, uh, we see acceleration in the uptake of technologies in all ship segments. This is also happening in uh, short sea shipping uh, solutions on passenger ferry solutions, but not in an even pace. Uh, in fact, we see technologies that uh, in few years ago we could have uh, considered them as extremely futuristic. Uh, what I can say is that uh, the future is here now, but it is not evenly distributed. The, across ship segments, across geographies, we see uh, a different mix of technologies and different pros and cons uh, coming around. Uh, so we are trying to see 
what that means for our geography, what it means for Greece, uh, which of course uh, it is a geography that uh, short sea and coastal and passenger shipping is extremely important and vitally linked to the other, um, uh, let's say, sectors of the economy as well. So, in order to start this, um, we may uh, hear uh, from um, uh, the example of uh, Norway. Norway, one might think that it is a country directly opposite in our uh, continent, in Europe, uh, but I think that we have very significant affinities with uh, Norway. First and above all, a common and very strong maritime traditions. We are both maritime nations. The second is that uh, the geographical morphology and the needs for coastal uh, shipping uh, is uh, quite similar, I should say. So, uh, I would like to invite uh, Mr. Andreasen to tell us the story of Norway and what can be learned for Greece as well. Thank you, Mr. Dimeopoulos. Um, it's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, and I'll, I'll be rather brief in, in explaining the Norwegian, um, the Norwegian history, the Norwegian take on this, and, and try to sort of end on a note about what, what on earth this means for Greece, because that's the interesting subject, not what we did. Um, just, just to sort of take you, I don't know, the, there are probably not many experts on the Norwegian ferry industry in the, in the audience, so I'll, I'll, I'll be kind enough to explain a bit. Um, very, take you back to 2014, 2013, when Norway uh, started to look into the electrification of our ferry industry. Uh, there, were, there were five, five, uh, um, five reasons we went into this. Uh, first of all, we had an ailing ferry fleet. Second, uh, we had uh, a slump in the shipbuilding market, so we need, they needed something to do. Third, we had the knowledge that there would be, um, as the previous speaker just said, there would be a change in the legislation and a change in the regulation which favored zero emission or low emission vessels. Fourth, uh, we had a large domestic market. And fifth, we had political will. And remember those fights because I will get back to them. So in 2013, 2014, we started, we started sort of looking into how to launch electric ferries in Norway. And by 2015, we launched the first one, uh, electric ferry, passenger and vehicle ferry. And I will not drag you through the sort of the, the, the ins and outs of it, by, but, but in the coming years, we have now launched over out of 200 ferries totally in Norway, 70 of them are now electric or electric hybrid. Uh, and this is an extremely rapid pace of change if you look at sort of the way normally you change in the shipping market. For, for basically since it's a complete technology change. Um, uh, last year we launched the biggest uh, electric ferry so far with a capacity of 200 cars and 600 passengers. Uh, and the goal is to make all our ferries uh, zero emission by 2025. And for, to, do that, to, do that, to do that we need to introduce also uh, hydrogen for the longer distances. But uh, how did we do it? And I think that's, this is the interesting part because you know, this is a technology change that doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't come along with, with everybody doing whatever they've been doing for the last 50 years in the ferry industry. Because 
it, it goes without saying that you know if you if you do a facility, uh, feasibility study and look at uh, the cost of keeping the old diesel ferry versus building a new electric ferry, there is an added cost to this, even though the running of electric ferries are much cheaper than, uh, than uh, diesel ferries. But of course there is an added cost, and to mitigate that cost you need to do one simple thing. You need to get the government and uh, the ferry owners together and uh, mitigate the cost, because otherwise the cost will fall on the passengers. And that will, like in any democratic country, that will not do simply enough. Uh, so there need to be a cost mitigation, but there also need to be an element of force. And the way we did the force was basically saying to the ferry companies that whenever uh, a ferry line is up for a new tender, the public road network in Norway, which basically is the tendering authority, they said, you will get the tender for 10 years. The winner of the competition will get the tender for 10 years but we will only accept the winner with how, which has a plan for zero emission. And of course, together with the zero emission demand comes also a certain amount of flexibility in terms of subsidies to do the installation of electric, uh, electric charging stations and what have you not. So basically there is a pre predictability in the way that they can change the, uh, buy the new electric ferry, so they know they will have at least 10 years to, to, for down payment and they will get some extra help for installing whatever new apparatus they need at port side to, to dock for electric uh, propulsion. So this is a, a very, very uh, strong element of, uh, of cooperation, and, but also, of course, whenever you deal with the government, I say this as a government employee, um, there is also an element of, uh, of a bit of forced coercion from the government side. There's no, there is no such thing as a free lunch. So. Um, if we then move into, and I'll try to be, I'm trying to limit myself here, uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting things to, to go into. Uh, having been in Greece for, for three years, I know that you know, the first reaction when I talk to Greek, when Greeks about uh, Norwegian shipping industry is that, yeah, yeah, but you're Norwegian. You do things because you're nice. Yeah, you, you do things because you have blue eyes and your general altruistic attitude. Well, I would like to keep that image, of course, but if we promise to don't tell anyone, I'll tell you we're not. Um, we, are, we do this because we believe this will benefit our industry in the long run. Yes, it's painful to change in the short term. Yes, it's, it's painful to change, especially when you're changing as fast as we did. Within five years, we practically turned the whole industry upside down for the short sea shipping in Norway. And now you have you know, a plethora of hydrogen vessels, automated vessels, uh, electric vessels coming with, within all strands of short sea shipping. We, have, uh, we had the, the baptism of uh, our automated container ship which will run uh, between two factories in Norway. They was done a couple of days ago, which is like a groundbreaking technology where you have combined automation, uh, port side and ship side on, uh, and electrification. Uh, which is, you know, probably future container shipping, but we'll we'll make it. Uh, we'll, this is not a project which which is mature yet for for both for all the technology and the, the 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 propulsion. But this will be the future, and we know that when the future comes, we will hold the technology and we will be be selling it very expensively to those who want to buy it. Um, so yes. 
this is not altruism. It's basically investing in our future for our shipping industry. I think just let me let me be clear on that. So by investing in the green shift, we have basically built a new industry in Norway, a new industry which we are now exporting uh, throughout the world. Um, and we have taken the cost of being the first mover and we're now reaping the rewards of being the first mover. So, but let me end by saying a few words about what is, what is the relevance for Greece. You remember my first five points. The ailing fleet, their knowledge of the regulations are coming because domestic shipping will get regulations. It's not, it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when and how much. Um, we had, uh, and the third one was the, was the domestic uh, shipbuilding capacity, which was in the slump. The fourth was the large domestic market. Does this sound vaguely familiar to anyone? This could be a description of Greece. You have an ailing ferry fleet, you know the regulations are coming, you need to remember the, the domestic shipbuilding industry. And what was the fifth? The fifth was the political will to change. Because the industry can't change alone. It needs a clear political will and a clear political guidance and, and an element of coercion to change. Um, and of course, the, I think from a Norwegian side, we are looking into the Greek market as a very, very interesting market for technology export. Meaning that, okay, we took the cost of being the first mover and our prototypes will not necessarily be the prototypes you would introduce in Greece because we have, we have, we're an Arctic country, obviously we're not. Uh, so I think there is now a window of opportunity where if you get the Norwegian technology to travel, adapting it to Greece and using your large home market as a way to get the technology up to a level where, where basically you, you are experts in it, you could pretty much dominate the Mediterranean market for electric shipping. Turkey wants to do the same. And they are a bit ahead of Greece at the moment in terms of electric, building electric, uh, electric vessels. But Greece has the home market. You have the home market. Uh, so why not use it? And I think I'll, I'll leave my comments there. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Ambassador, for uh, being nice. Um, it was, in fact, a very interesting uh, story. And, uh, of course, uh, I think that we can all see the parallels with our situation here in Greece. But in order to dig a little bit deeper on the situation here in Greece, uh, there is no one better than uh, Mr. Alexandratos, representing the Hellenic uh, Chamber of uh, Shipping and the Short Sea Shipping uh, uh, Association. Uh, and I would like to ask him to uh, give us uh, his views on the challenges, needs, uh, uh, and of course, his personal ones as um, uh, a general manager of Apollonian Lines when it comes to greening the short sea shipping segment. Okay, good morning to everybody. Thank you very much. First of all, I have uh, to tell you that uh, it is an honor for me to attend at uh, this interesting. Uh, forum and specifically this interesting uh, panel 
uh, amongst, I would say, with friends. It's not the first time that uh, we met together. And uh, as uh, I am uh, not only involved in shipping, but I am fellow also with Mrs. Olga Bornozzi, as we are acting at theater for charity reasons, please uh, share your big applause to Mr. Bornozis and to the team of Capital Link Forum that they organized this forum in Greece. Also, uh, I had a phone call. I'm, I'm the only one, I think, today that I'm representing two presidents, as I wear the two hats. So you have uh, the warmest regards, both from um, uh, my president, the Greek Chamber of Shipping, uh, Dr. George Pateras, who is uh, now currently, he's sleeping, I think, but in, uh, because he's Bahamas, and he's not for vacations. He's at the, in a very few hours, he'll be at an engine room. So there is a better person that could explain those technical reasons, George Pateras, because uh, uh, Dr. George Pateras is not, apart from his capabilities, he's a technical expert. I have also to disclose you that before two, three weeks, we had uh, an excellent uh, meeting, uh, deep conversation, true conversation with Your Excellency, Mr. Ambassador. It lasted for about three hours. And uh, I, uh, when uh, the meeting ended and I guided uh, your It was my fault. No, no, it was not your fault, it was your knowledge. And I got him uh, to the entrance, to the exit. I said, you are ambassador of Norway or you are an expert in shipping and the next step for zero emissions? Because honestly, with all respect and all my experience, uh, I have met with a lot of ambassadors. I mean. You're deeply in, in those technical issues, and with Dr. George Pateras, the conversation ended after two, three hours. So, uh, now, the Lang Suburb of uh, Shipping, uh, for those that possibly don't know, is uh, a public entity, and uh, we are the official advisors to the state regarding how the shipping, uh, the, the maritime sector and shipping can be developed and how economy, also the Greek economy, could be strengthened more from Greek maritime sector. We have close to 26,000 floating members from all uh, the categories and of course short sea uh, that today is the main topic. Now, regarding your question as what are the general views of the Ellenic Suburb of Shipping, and uh, what could the main advice give to the government? Okay, I, I, I have the honor to be the uh, vice president of Greek Chamber of Shipping, but I will also speak uh, also from the heart of a ship owner, of a second generation ship owner. Uh, we owe Balkarius. So I'm, uh, I would say, if not pessimistic, I'm very, very, very much concerned. We say, leading the Greek revolution to zero emissions. And make me wonder, who is the leader and who is leading us? Is this a revolution or is it a vague attempt of transition? And are zero emissions at the end of the day a feasible task or an utopia? I, I stay on one word that from the thousands that you used and the useful most of them is change. From, from the day I'm occupied and involved in, in shipping, since 1998, full-time job, a world change was coming every, every year. 
So, us now, the shipping industry, we are asked to fulfill absolutely necessary uphill struggle, I think, while we are not in control of many things. First of all, technology is the domain of scientists. New equipment and systems are at the hands of manufacturers. Green energy sources depend on the providers, and infrastructure and the supply chain remain to be constructed. So, nothing, according to my opinion, depends on us, except the implementation, when all these are available and viable. And if so, still remains the question of finance. Now, the quiz is much more difficult for the ocean shipping to resolve. Tell us, how can a ship owner decide today which system to rely when considering to renew his fleet? Before uh, giving you some data from the short ship shipping, we all have to know that uh, the emissions from uh, ships that carries 90% of the world trade are nearly to 2% of CO2. And today, I took a taxi from Kifisia to come here to this hotel. It has a lot of traffic. Uh, I made about one hour and 30 minutes. And I met thousands of cars with one driver each. And I very much wonder the universities to effect a study and tell us what was the CO2 emission only from Kifisia the one hour and 30 minutes up to this hotel. Now, going back to the short shipping, you have also the warm regards of uh, Mr. Simadonis, the president of uh, this union. Short shipping in its, its, its very forms, what short shipping can be interpreted in uh, a lot of means. I would say that there is an advantage for the source shipping regarding uh, and, the, and implementing the, the steps that already Norway had achieved. Because the difference with short sea shipping and the difference with ferries, for example, if we are going to take uh, those two categories to, to the, electric, the electric batteries, the source shipping does not require very, very high speed. They can go up to 11, 12 uh, knots, depending on the time charter. So that, that is the advantage. Uh, so electric battery cells uh, seems to be gaining uh, ground, uh, particularly in Northern Europe, and particularly, more particularly in Norway. Uh, uh, and of course, electric power at your country is more green. The installation of stations is progressing. Unfortunately, here in Greece, and can, I cannot disclose in name one example, they are not progressing. Because one uh, passenger, you remember, we, we disclosed you when you were in the Greek suburb of shipping, they tried to make cold airing at one port. It was at Kilini, actually, for one hour, blackout, and nobody wanted again to repair that, and back to the future, back to the present. So, uh, now, uh, the use of green hydrogen, for example, uh, produced through electrolysis of seawater and powered by wind generators, appears to be a sensible solution, subject of course, uh, cost. Uh, 
Most people are prejudiced as regards nuclear energy, but apparently the molten salt technology seems to be a much safer use. Uh, also, I think that legislation has to provide initiatives and motivations for uh, somebody to proceed at uh, a further stage. Yesterday we have, with uh, the Hellenic Salt Sea Partners Association, where I also have the honor of to be a general secretary, we have a webinar with DNV in Norway and uh, there were many questions raised about what actually will happen in 2030, what are the costs, because everybody here is breathing the same air, but does not pay the same cost for breathing the same air. So, in concluding, this is my personal comment at your question, having reviewed all data, all those presentations, and simultaneously uh, for the hopefully next years that those things can be applied, it reminds me, it reminds me of a great TV show that I, I was uh, watching when I was young and still is uh, The Blind Date. Mm. So I think we are living at a blind date and uh, we are expecting anxiously the wall to open and see what we paid for. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Alexandratos. Yeah, uh, I can fully sympathize with uh, the uncertainty. The need uh, for various stakeholders to cooperate, which is not always given. Um, and the synergies that may be required in order to uh, arrive to a very good uh, blind date at the end of the day. Uh, I would also like to hear from uh, Mr. Chiotopoulos uh, his views uh, regarding the, the zero emission shipping in Greek uh, coastal and CC uh, applications, what he sees as uh, potential and uh, challenges. I think that we will have a complimentary view from the class perspective as well. Uh, thank you, George. Uh, I would say that I would uh, try to uh, give you, let's say, the general perspective here. What are we trying to do? We are trying to increase awareness. We are trying to say to the Greek community that, guys, we have done it. The situation is more or less the same like yours, and we know how to do it. Are you willing to listen to us? Well, we, we want you to transfer knowledge to you. Are you willing to listen and cooperate with us? We can make it together. I think that's more or less what we're trying to say here to all of you. So we will have uh, various, uh, various rounds and increasing awareness sessions also in connection with Posidonia. Uh, but I would like to to focus on two words that were sent by uh, the previous gentleman. One from uh, Frode about will. I think willingness is very important. However, I believe the most important thing here is collective willingness. And in Norway, there was a collective willingness to do that change. Okay. And it happened. Uh, being Greek, 
I have to say that uh, I'm not very optimistic about our collective willingness. Okay, sorry to say that, but that's, that's a reality. Uh, also, one important factor is that uh, they don't only have the know-how, they also have a representative office here with the knowledge and people from uh, Greek people having this knowledge in order to transfer it to the Greek industry. I mean, the project management of the Green Shipping Norway project was DNV. And DNV has a big office also here. So, I mean, the solution is right in front of you. And uh, going to Mr. Alexandratos' comment about change. And yes, we want to change. We want to become greener. However, whenever you are changing, somebody's gaining and somebody's losing. Mm. And the fight, the fight is always who, who pays the bill at the end of the day. Right. Now, I have uh, seen, I cannot disclose you the source, but I have seen um, feasibility studies on uh, ferries, or ferries. Uh, and uh, I mean, wh what are we talking about? It's, it's a small thing. It's maybe 40 meters, it's maybe 80 meters long. Uh, it's uh, something which, with a cost of roughly from three to five million. Most of it can be built right now in Greece as we speak, except the energy source and the control of the energy source. So we're talking about the batteries and the controlling of the batteries. So, and, and this, you have the people here who can tell you how to do it. Uh, I think it's only a matter of uh, somebody pressing the button, somebody having the will to press a button, and uh, maybe it's not some of uh, uh, the gentlemen that we are here in the panel. <laughs> somebody above us has to do that. But if we want to have a country which we would fe be feeling proud of, and not having this 50-year-old, uh, very heavily polluting uh, ferries uh, uh, around our islands, if we want really to be stepping into the future, I think that somebody has to press this button. So that was all from my side. Thank you, George. Thank you, Mr. Shatopoulos. Um, what I get from all the um, uh, people in the panel uh, up to now is that uh, we're talking about cooperation, we're talking about uh, collective uh, willingness uh, to change. We're talking about multiple entities and stakeholders uh, working together. So in that respect, I would like to uh, ask uh, Professor Leridis to be able to say a little bit more about uh, regarding the complete value chain around uh, short sea shipping, meaning not only the ship, but also the technology, the energy providers, the port, that we heard about it uh, as well. And what is the necessary integration and synergies between all these uh, stakeholders to make this happen, including the government as well? Thank you very much, George. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. And I would, I, earlier in this place, I saw Mr. Hadzipetro of Columbia Seed Management. And I remember the quote by uh, his CEO, Mark O'Neill, who is also the chairman of Inter Manager, that said that uh, shipping needs 
a kind of King Arthur style round table to promote its interests. And it's not a Greek problem in Greece. Indeed, three Greeks have four opinions, that's true. But in, even in the entire shipping industry, I haven't seen a more coordinated approach to the shipping interests. And I think this is a major problem. Uh, regarding now the reality in Greece, of course there are problems. Uh, I think your question has two sides. One is uh, the electric shipping, that's uh, the, small, the very small open ferries. And the other is the general shorty shipping. I think for most of the shorty shipping, the previous speaker, Mr. Pelevrakis, has uh, uh, very well addressed the problems. Uh, I may say a few things as well, but regarding the electric shipping, I will tell you uh, a few things that hamper the, the adoption of electric shipping for the small distances. There is indeed already a design from uh, a, a very large investor who has already paid for the design of an electric ship. Uh, the, the design is ready. They're looking for money to build it. Uh, there will be an announcement at some time. The cost is around uh, 8.5 million for an 80 meter open ferry. You will hear about it at some point. There are two major problems. One is, uh, the, the major one is the legislation regarding selling electricity. This is a major problem. There are uh, rules that the regulatory authority has not resolved yet. They should. Uh, the owner of the grid, the port that sells the electricity, cannot buy and sell electricity to the shipping, to the ship owner, because they cannot, the two uh, activities are unbundled, the grid operation and the trading of electricity. So this has not been resolved yet. There have been proposals. We have also made a lot of initiatives because we have studied this all, also with the association of uh, uh, passenger uh, shipping. There are ways to resolve it, but it's still a problem. The second problem is to fund this large investment because these open ferries, they're already barely making it on conventional fuels. For uh, an endeavor like this to be successful in order for the project to uh, work, it needs a sort of a 50%, uh, I wouldn't like to call it subsidy, but it's a subsidy, it's a, a grant anyway. Uh, state aid rules currently, which are also true in Norway, they are aligned with the EU, do not allow shipping to be funded directly uh, from the state, any ship, for very specific reasons, for social reasons, for very remote areas, like we do with our uh, common interest lines, Agones uh, Grammes. There are exemptions, but for uh, the places where the open ferries work, they, are not, uh, they cannot be subject to this uh, derogation or exemption from legislation. So there's always the problem of uh, state aid, and this is why shipping cannot be supported. Actually, shipbuilding has been a sunset industry since the 80s and has been a, a negative looked at since the 50s, the, the, the time of uh, coal and steel, uh, the European, uh, the Eurotom. Uh, so it is uh, legislation does not allow uh, subsidizing. There might be indirect ways to subsidize it, but this all have to be resolved with the European Union, which is not indeed a, a Greek uh, initiative. Uh, and then on top of this, we have all the requirements with a fit for 55, a set of regulations and uh, uh, directives that have to be transposed to the Greek uh, legislation that make it even more difficult. So I think for electric shipping, there is will. 
There is the possibility because actually it's the only shipbuilding product we are exporting. We're exporting, we used to export in Russia anyway. We're exporting to Brazil, to other countries in Europe as well. But it's the only thing we do export, uh, small open ferries. Uh, even retrofits are expensive because the batteries and the BMS mentioned earlier, the battery management system, costs uh, a little bit more than the actual ship. Regarding source shipping, uh, this is a problem. It's also rumored that in the next MEPC it will be decided that you, the, the Mediterranean will also become an, EC, an ECA area, mission control area, which will present even bigger challenges for shipping. So there, uh, source shipping needs to uh, find a way to adapt. Which technology will be adopted is not so easy to say because all have problems. But I think uh, I have to revert to my earlier comment that there needs to be a closer cooperation between all the stakeholders, as all the speakers have just said, from all the stakeholders in order to promote, uh, to promote the interest of shipping. And it's not the interest of shipping per se. Uh, shipping uh, does a social, covers a social need. Uh, for, to this moment, the, the attempts have been and I think the biggest challenge, may, I will say it like this, the biggest challenge is not the, the regulations that, that are currently uh, being uh, adopted, it is the societal move, the mentality that changes that will eventually force also cargo owners to demand even stricter regulations that the one are currently imposed by IMO. And this will be done mainly through the European Union, which maybe not unilaterally, but at least will promote or a push towards stricter regulation even more in the future. So this has to be taken into account. We have to be a little bit more proactive, especially in Greece on how we uh, promote shipping and how promote the interests of shipping and at least the needs of shipping. And this has to be demonstrated, but it has to be done in a more collective way. Already we see the business model that changes. It's not the small ship owners anymore that uh, outsource their management to big companies like Columbia or Vish Ships. It is, I should say, the big management companies that, that outsource ship ownership to smaller owners. So we have to keep all this in mind. The legislation becomes more and more complicated and it will be more difficult in the future. Of course, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about Greek shipping because they know how to travel on rough waters. But uh, still, things are becoming more and more science than art as it was in the, in the past. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Liridis. Uh, being conscious of the time and uh, concluding this uh, very interesting session, um, hearing all the panel participants, uh, I frankly don't know if we are collectively optimistic or, or not regarding the revolution on uh, green in the short sea and coastal shipping. But more important than being optimistic, I think that we have achieved something. We are pragmatic. Uh, we know what has been done. We know what are the success uh, stories. But we also know, understand and acknowledge the challenges and the specific needs uh, that uh, we have to overcome as Greek uh, short sea shipping uh, uh, cluster. And I, I believe that uh, this is the first point of consensus, to understand what are the challenges ahead and the ways we need to change and we need to uh, cooperate. Uh, the technology is there. The 
communication, I believe it is there as well. And then we need to aim and uh, go for it at the end of the day. I would like to sincerely thank all uh, our panel participants uh, very much. Mr. Andreasen, the Anderson, the Ambassador of Norway to Greece, Mr. Alexandratos, Mr. Chiotopoulos and Professor Leridis. Thank you very much.